the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the Week 5 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Tank Pipe here with Rob Antonell. Big week coming up, the game against St. Ed's. But as always, let's get into it. Quick recap of the Warren game. Kick it to you. I know you said you didn't have much, but uh, some thoughts on the game last Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have too much to talk about uh, with Warren game, but, uh, I mean, came away with a win against the team you're supposed to beat. Mad we didn't cover again. I'm always going to be mad if we don't cover. Uh, But, you know, just another week, putting some experience behind you, getting ready for a bigger matchup this week. Yeah, um, I think it was a little different for, well, at least both of us. You know, you never went into the game, just stayed up at the spot. Seemed like a prime game to do that. Um, I went down for that military appreciation stuff and ended up staying on the sideline the whole game. The jerseys look pretty slick up close. They, like, looking at film and, you know, I can only imagine from afar they didn't look too hot. But See, I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was... I mean, I didn't have any issue with it, yeah. looking at like the pictures and everything, but it was one of those things that I just kind of assumed looked better from mm-hmm. a distance than up close, but uh, <laughs> looking at the pictures of them, I thought they looked fine. Okay. I mean, they look pretty sharp, you know. Um, on loan from the National Guard, apparently that's like a program they do. They go to a different school every week, and whoever wants to do their military appreciation stuff, then they get those jerseys that week. But, yeah, overall, I thought it looked pretty slick. I thought it was a pretty cool uh, thing overall. Kind of hard to watch, like, exactly what's going on during the game from the sidelines. Yeah, it is. But um, you do get to see some stuff. Like, it's a whole different environment, and that's something. You know, I somehow ended up on the sideline. Or the last time I ended up on the sideline, we put up 101 points against a team from Pennsylvania. So, been a hot minute since I was down there. It, we got some push up front, man. Like we were dominating the line of scrimmage all night, as far as I could tell. Um, a lot of hitting, and our student section chirps, good, just yelling at kids. It, I mean, God forbid the ball ever came close to the student section. Whatever poor receiver was like closest lined up there, they were getting an earful, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, I mean that's the way it should be. I mean. Student sections are meant to be, I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but I, like in general, a fan base, a strong fan base, a student section, uh, it's meant to be heard. They're meant to be noticed. It's meant to be something to disturb the other team. So that's what I like to hear. Yeah, it's, a, it's supposed to be known. Um, I think overall the rest of the game, our passing attack looked clean. For the most part, we kept uh, Slaughter pretty well protected. Running game was strong. Trell had another quiet 100-yard game. He's had 100 rushing yards every game this season so far. Banks finally had his coming-out party. It was everything we had expected Banks to be all year. But he still, you know, showed up a little bit, as we know him, with that one drop on the fake screen ago. 
Um, other than that, I mean, he had like 130-some receiving yards, a couple touchdowns, looked phenomenal, lights out. Slaughter was on point all night. Defense came out hitting. You know, we gave up one big play, just the uh, 85-yard QB draw just because Jets a dude, like we talked about last week. Uh, yeah. You take away that one run and, like, account for the sack yardage, we held them to 51 yards on 26 attempts for a cool two yards per carry. Their offense seemed pretty, like, side-to-side. The seemed like the whole idea was to try and get guys the ball in space and make a play. Yeah. Which, for lesser competition, you know, that it works. Yeah. that It's a team full of athletes like we talked about. And um, unfortunately for them, we also have athletes. Didn't give them much space to move. Jet made a couple plays. Other than that, we just shut him down and did what we wanted on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, all of that kind of makes sense going into the game of what you almost would expect to happen. Uh, you know, Warren's Warren. They're going to hit you for a big play. Uh, they try to get their athletes in space. It's all stuff that we, we know. Uh, the big takeaway this year is that Warren wasn't able to succeed with like that the passing attack that they did last year on us. So, I mean, that that's huge. Um, besides that, you know, Warren is pretty much who they always are. Um, play sound defense, and you can, you can hold them. Uh, they weren't huge on the defensive line, so we should have been able to push the line on them pretty well. Their offensive line was big, but not the greatest line we've seen all year. Uh, a lot of their players went both ways also, I think, so... I mean, it all kind of added up to what you wanted to see, except for Maslin didn't cover. (laughs) (laughs) But we still walked out with the W. Absolutely. And for most people, that's all that matters. So for the rest of you degenerates out there, you know, could have took Warren in the points. Don't even have money on it. It's just kind of like the concept of if you're supposed to beat a team by X amount – and you beat him by less than that. I mean, whatever. You know, a win's a win. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we only punted once. I, I don't know. I like covering. We only punted once. What do you want from us? More points. <laughs> Sorry we didn't hit the hurry a up bigger, on Warren. Just bigger spread. bury him. Yeah. You know, our, our offense is still finding their footing a little bit. I think we caught our stride this week. Should be good to go. Um, I mean, we could talk about the pass to the tight end down the seam. Mm-hmm. That was so. Being down on the sideline before the game, I ran into you know a few of the coaches. One of them was Trox, and I got to bullshit with him for a little bit. Brought up like, hey, you know, we talked about this. We've been talking about this. Of what do you think about getting some early, quick, easy passes for the QB? You know, get him in rhythm a little bit. And he's like, yeah, there's. He agreed. There's something to it. In fact, he said like, my first call tonight is going to be smash. You know, come out, throw that quick hitch, get him in a rhythm, get him going. And they said, oh, we got this one shot play coming up. I think it's going to be my first one I call. Look for the tight end right down the pipe. You know, right when we get into this area of the field, look for it. And by God, right about where he said we were going to do it from, we got there. You got that little fake jet sweep, send the outside guys on verts, clear out the corners, and safety trying to double cover banks. Tight end is pretty much untouched in the middle of the field. And it just went downhill for Warren from there. Yeah, I mean, it's a great play. Uh, 
we'll get into it later but it's something that some random fans have been asking for <laughs> yeah. maybe not that specific play but you know throwing to the tight end we've we've addressed that but uh yeah so it's nice to get him involved it shows another threat mm-hmm. for other teams of what they have to cover um just gives them something else that they have to prepare for so anytime you can have something that benefits your offense as well as makes another team have to prepare for it you know it's not just a good play for us because it works we have the people to do it etc but um it's another wrinkle that teams have to look for so all in all it's nice when you can have those types of things because i mean you can add in some crazy stuff that doesn't work hoping a defense prepare prepares for it but you know that's probably just lost time on your part but when you have plays that work you have personnel that work um you're making your offense better and you're adding different things while you do it it's kind of a kind of double dipping into the positive there so one more thing that ed has to pay attention to this week yeah and i think kind of branching off that point a little bit you talking about plays that don't work i kind of catch myself doing that sometimes too i'm just getting like oh i got this idea in my head that's like really cool we're gonna fake the jet this way play action this way to boot back out the other way we're gonna throw a screen a throwback screen to the fullback you know like cleveland's offense yeah yeah and then it's like you take a step back and you have banks lennox trell the other receivers whose names escape me but they're still dudes <laughs> yeah it t- week eight i'll know most of the roster mm-hmm. it's week five so give me a break real uh mcdaniel's vibe over there just no reason to learn anyone's names you're just there to the, no the, you're, you're there for the plays the difference is i'm a fan mcdaniel's was our oc the point remains <laughs> He, but, was, he was not there to learn our names. He no. was there to teach us football. Yeah. But it's like, take a step back, and we got all these dudes, and you just drew up a play specifically to get the ball in the hands of the fullback who might be like the 35th best athlete on the roster. You know, you got to like, when you're calling for plays to the tight end or like, why don't we do this or do that? The point of a play is to get the ball into your playmaker's hands. You know, you don't need all this fancy-dancy bullshit so long as what you do works and it gets your playmakers the ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really anything more to it than that. Um, you don't need to outsmart yourselves. Uh, you have talent, use it. Uh, where you don't have talent or... You're playing a really tough opponent, so the talents are kind of neutralized. Mm-hmm. That's when you get into a little bit more of your, your systematic stuff, coverage beating type of stuff, uh, when you can't just one-on-one beat a guy, beat a coverage, um, beat a defense alignment. You know, that's mm-hmm. when you have to start implementing you know plays and systems. And, um, and there's the balance there, Yeah, of course, of doing both. Um, but when you start adding stuff, just for the wrinkle or just because it sounds cool or you think you might catch somebody off guard it there's is the value worth the cost you right. know is it a net positive for you your team your practice time um and that's where a lot of people find themselves and you don't want to waste time on stuff that might not matter or it might only be one play 
it, you know, if it's going to be one play, it better be one really good, like, trick play that's going to work, you know. Um, you can't just waste time for one play. So, um, balancing act, for sure, of having cool things you want to do or even concepts that might work really good against the team you're about to face, but how much time do you have to implement it? Is it worth the cost? And that's something everybody has to weigh the pros and cons of. And that's a big thing right there. I, I don't think a lot of people understand either is the time. You know, you you want to run a play on Friday. Like, say you want to install a new play and run it on Friday. Well, Saturday is just, you know, film review, get a lift in, recovery day. Sunday, for us at least, was like a walkthrough, kind of just here's the plan we want to implement. We get Sundays off. We might have had one or two Sundays in. I can't remember. But, okay, you're going to have an off day in there somewhere. So then Monday is like, okay, here's our plan. Now let's go. This is going to be an offensive dominant practice. Yeah. You might get a couple more reps in for that play that day. Then Tuesday, add on to it, touch up on stuff, defensive dominated practice because you need to get both sides. Wednesday will be kind of evened out, I guess. Um, brush up on stuff. If something's not working, you just scrap it. You better not even run it Wednesday. Thursday is your shells, just helmet and shoulder pads, kind of somewhere between a walkthrough and a, you know, a scrimmage-ish idea. And then Friday's game day. And you only have, what, a couple hours each night after school? You don't, and you still have to practice the rest of your stuff that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Point being, you don't really have that much time to install a new thing every single week. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I'll say is that they have more time now than they used to. Yeah. If you compare what it looks like now with what we had, or at least what I had, I don't know what you guys did your senior year, but you know, my entire high school all the way through was so during the season Sundays were off Monday was install where it was pretty much just a walk through install Tuesday was let's just say offense Wednesday was defense could have been foot flop Tuesday's offense Wednesday's defense Thursday is walk through game on Friday yeah. Now, they have a little bit more time. They probably have it planned out a little bit better as well. But they're able to use Huddle and online sources to where they can do some of the install or some of the coaching, the mental reps at home more than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really get coached up on film much maybe a few comments on like the last game but i don't think we were really watching practice film online very much and they definitely weren't like showing us concepts or plays like hey on sunday night i I can't go on and look at something we might be installing the next day so the first time we heard about it was in practice in our pads on monday Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit more time, but still, I, when it comes to actually adding new things to a group of high schoolers that just went through a eight-hour day of school and have homework afterwards and the attention span of a 16-year-old, it 
you can't always just add in a bunch of stuff at once. That's for sure. Yeah. And even with that, you know, you tell a kid, all right, hey, watch two hours of film this weekend. Here's what we want to do. It's all on Huddle. It's all on your phone. How much do you trust them to really do that? Yeah. You're going to have some kids that are, like, just on the phone 24-7 actually watching their film and other kids that are going to press play on the film so it shows that they're watching it, set the phone down, and go play Call of Duty for five hours. Yeah. So even with that advancement of having, you know, all the film and everything available in your pocket, you still have to teach it. You still have to take that time and teach it in person because as a coach, you can't count on that 16-year-old to do their homework at the end of the day. Um, but that's all I got on that. It's really all I got on Warren. Yeah. I guess we can just get into some film right now and then get after the rest of it, huh? All right, cool. All right. All right, into a little film room action. Uh, as always, this is a lot easier as a visual medium. You, you know, find us on our YouTubes, the Black Swarm Podcast, but we'll try and keep it as listenable as possible for the audio-only audience. Get into a, a little Warren highlights here. Starting off with... This is Tolls. There we go. Rob working the ones and twos. That's a lineup, a little two-by-two. Two. First play of the game, just a little smash action, just like we talked about earlier. Easy. Easy money. Next play, a little tag screen off counter. Slaughter like the numbers out wide. Throw the ball. Pick up some easy yards. Just another smash action again. Get the ball in your hands, make a man miss. Little smash trail post. This has been a staple of the offense for really since uh, Trox got here. Haven't seen it this year, but good to make a comeback in a big way. Yeah. Um, a lot of short route, short passes here besides that post you're talking about but uh i like the way that slaughter looks here some good passes easy completions easy yards make a man miss i like it yeah well if we're letting him play through might as well watch that smash the post one more time great cover four beater um he's getting behind the corner route of the number two safety takes the number two and everybody just forgets about the trail post right behind it yep Just love that. Nice little two over two. Really two over one and a half with the uh, cover three corner being so far back. You know, it's hard for that guy to make a make a play on the guy in space like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm good. We can move on to the next clip. Well, let's see. I can't just. Nope. Got to exit out and. Got to get ugly. Okay. Yeah. That's part of the game. Well, we're getting ugly, boys. Getting ugly, boys. Some Banks highlights. That didn't work. Nope, not that one. That's just off the huddle. There we go. All right, now a little backside slant action uh, on our snag concept. That had to be some film review type stuff right there, or Slaughter just loved the look of it. 
usually slant you go to at the backside. Only when it's uh, against man or cover zero, something like that. Nice little hitch and go action. Just the goal line go, I guess. Inside yeah. release go. I can play through one more time. Like I said, to throw the slant against zone coverage like that, especially with the backer dropping into the window, I mean, I wouldn't coach that throw up, but good for him. Hitch and go, corner bites hard. Kid caught the ball right in front of me, right in front of me, and I'm going to put my hand up. I didn't think he was coming down with it. <laughs> but, hey, caught the ball, made a hell of a play. Love to see it. This is the banks that will unlock the rest of our offense. Yeah, I mean, being able to hit big plays like that, I mean, just a simple slant is something that we haven't seen very much of. And it just adds another threat. You know, those big-time receivers, you get them going, you get them locked on -on one-on-one, backside like that, uh, make defense really respect you, Uh, hitch and go, big play, Mm. uh, just that, that inside fade going over top of two guys. Uh, maybe not how you coach it up or, you know, when the ball is halfway there that you're excited to see, but um, ended up working, got over top of the safety there. But, you know, all big plays. That's what we're looking at here. So, um, whereas tolls are all shorter besides the post, uh, Banks had a couple big plays here. Get the ball in his hands, uh, force the corners to come up. That could have been something that was set up from those short passes throughout the night also so you get corners biting on those short passes hit them with the hitch and go that's uh like you said that's something that's going to take the offense to the next level and i think the coolest thing about it it was all different types of moves you know the slant is just a short underneath route can you catch it on the run and do something with the ball the hitch and go not only do you get to see the double move but you also get to see him streaking down the sideline just making a beautiful back shoulder catch holding the catch through contact with the ground coming up with it golden and then the last one the tutter just seeing him basically go up be a dude be the dude we expect him to be uh when slaughter makes one might call it a less than desirable throw into double coverage or you could call it just throwing it up to your dude so Yep. And him going up there, bodying, boxing out defenders, and getting the ball. So all different, all very different skill sets that you want to see a receiver see. So he's not just a one-trick pony. Um, he can do a lot when he's on his game. And that's why we've been so hard on him. And I think this game has showcased pretty much everything he can do. Yep. All right, who we got now? thought you had this labeled as Collins. Yeah. It could Calix. be. Okay. Just making chase down on uh, Jet. Real slippery athlete. Not just a great thrower, but like just a dude with the ball in his hands in general. Same play from the wide angle. Bringing the pressure on the rollout. QB tries to turn it back. Nowhere to go. Contained well. A little blitz off the edge here. That's the thing, man. 
Black Swarm has been sending the heat this year. Uh, usually we'd be pretty comfortable to sit back in our quarters coverage and come up, make a tackle, make the offense be perfect. We're getting a little more aggressive this year for whatever reason, whether it be more obvious passing situations, maybe it just a change of plan for the the coordinators or I don't know, but I'm a fan. Keep the offense off balance. Don't let them get a rhythm. Don't let them get comfortable with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love blitzing when you have the team that can do it. Uh, you don't see any huge holes opening up. It seems like everybody still has their gaps secured. So uh, if you can be fundamentally sound, send an extra guy, take a little bit of pressure off the back end while you're doing it as well. I mean, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Last highlight of the Warren game, a little Cody Fair action. Backer that's come on, stepped up big for us this year. Just pursuit. That motor doesn't quit, gets in on the tackle. A little counter action, chases down, shoots a gap, makes a tackle. Same play, a little counter tray. Just gets in there. Love to see the dog piling on. Yeah, that's Jop. That's what? Jop. What's Jop? You know, I'm not sure. I just know that's Jop. Do you even know? It's, explain, not even the audience. Explain that to me. Like, it's a it's a Palma thing. Oh, okay. We, at no point in time, when he was yelling at somebody on our team for doing that, and he just kept calling it Jop. J-O-P? I think. And we're like, like, jump on. Listen, there was 80 of us all looking around like, what is Jop? Does anybody in here know what a Jop? We knew what he was referring to, just like, yeah, had never heard that before. It's like, Jop, what's Jop? Jump on the pile? No, that's that's the only thing we could think of is like jumping on pile. See, that's how people get hurt. That's how people get hurt. And it is. I mean, yeah, I mean. You know what? It's Jop. You hate to see people get hurt, but as long as it's not your people, I'm not gonna well i think the moral of the story was that's how your own people get hurt ah it wasn't like oh you're gonna hurt their players wasn't that kind of speech no that i don't expect that speech coming from coach but it was like i i I don't know he was referring to that exact situation where there's a pile like they're about to blow the whistle and you just jump on top for no reason yeah it doesn't even do anything to be honest you're just jumping on the pile and get that tackle point son yeah um, but ever since then, I, I don't like seeing it. Now all I can think of when I see that is like, oh, that's just Bush League. That's Bush League. Don't do that. I thought you were a fan of Bush League. In certain cer- situations, I'm a huge fan of Bush League. <laughs> but the terminology is still there for a reason. Fair enough. And that's Jop. That's Jop. A little screen action. Nice. Just pursuit from the back end. Chase down the screen, make the play. Watch through one more time. A lot of counter from uh, from Warren. Not something you expect a team GT that T counter. Yeah, not something from a team that you would classify as like not well coached. Well, I mean that's that a middle, that's a middle, that's a middle school play, Hank. Oh, counter tray. They're playing GT counter. Yeah, drop. I still don't know. Like, was it? I don't yeah. don't know who it was, but it's job. <laughs> little QB counter tray action, just fake the sweep outside. 
little smash concept, same thing we ran down their throats, threw down their throats. Slow linebacker blitz right into the screen. Okay. Yep, coverage makes yeah. a. I mean, listen, if that guy doesn't pursue the screen guy and make the tackle like he does, that's going for a big play. Absolutely, yeah. So, I was actually really impressed by the first time through. I thought that was fair. Um, I think that was. Uh, I remember that live. That was um, Vito McConnell. I mean, that was a great play because no one stayed back on the screen. Yeah. Except for that one guy. So. Well, hey, when blitz is called, you you blitz hair on fire. Oh no, I I get it. So now getting into Ed's, um, just a little bit of their quarterback <clears throat> highlights. Not necessarily a great passer. I think they average about 100 passing yards a game. Yeah. I went through the stats, what I could find. You know, Huddle's kind of iffy with it for the first three games at least. He didn't have, like, one bad game and one kind of, like, big game. It was, you know, 70-some yards, 110 yards, that kind of thing. He's dancing right there at the 100-yard average. Yeah, I think I saw that they averaged like 100 yards passing and then like 230 rushing, rushing per yeah. game. So, I mean, that tells you kind of what you're getting into. So Yeah, the run game doesn't run through him, but he's a great option QB. You know, ball in his hands. I and see that, yeah. Yep. This team here, they played it at the Hall of Fame. It was whomping. This team is a nobody, and you're going to see that here on the film. They don't have bad size, but... For whatever reason, just looking at it, I was like, oh, I think this is a nobody. Let's see. Big nobody vibes. They give off. Like, just their size doesn't give it away, but at least from this I think it's, still shot, it does I think it's so. the wannabe Vikings uniforms. Uh, maybe. Well, let's see. Slow read option. Well, they killed QB's the running back. Keeps it. Oh, man. Safety <laughs> barely tries to make a tackle. You yeah. Three stooges. I mean, props to the QB for staying up and, you know, taking it to the house, but... There it is. Just another pull on a read option. Bad angle. Breaks through a tackle at his feet. Nobody's on the back end to handle him and takes it to the house. Well, fake the jet sweep. Post wheel. Nice. Safety bit on the wheel. Nobody inside to help the corner on the post and... QB just makes a play. A little play action throwback, wide open running back. A play you would want your starting quarterback to make. Yeah. Drop back, a little curl flat. Came out weird. Late throw on the flat, but hey, good for him stepping up in the pocket. Just a little, I would say, play action, kind of banger to the number three receiver. He's a really short throwing motion, which, I mean. Short, compact, quick. But can he push it downfield like that? That's yeah. my question. Here, a little read option out of a double wing. Or not read option, I'm sorry. RPO, like a glance. You got your backside receiver running like a bang eight or a skinny or a sh- deep slant. My favorite thing here, if you want to replay this again, is the, the point man, the number two, just being wide-ass open in the middle there, jumping, screaming for the ball, and QB does not find him. Yeah. Instead, throws it into triple coverage. Well, seeing some of the elder highlights, I think that was a takeaway of mine, yeah. was the quarterback doesn't necessarily read. Yeah. If you want to replay that again. A little field m- amazingly. A little mesh action on the goal line. You're looking. He's looking for the number two on the backside to come free underneath. 
<laughs> good job by the number nice, two. Uh, nice pick play there, huh? Yeah, good job by the number two on the front side here, running the running the pick. Just gets his head taken off. I mean, good play by the DB just to, like, sun him. Gave up six, but it is what it is. Uh, that's interference. Offen- yeah. Offensive interference, which is not going to get called in a high school game. Nope. Late throw to the sideline, not bad on a little comeback route. Scramble, dance around, make a play. Throw late back over the middle. Good job by him finding a hole in the coverage. Little His highlights make him look like a, like if a you want to replay, quarterback. If you want to replay that one again. So one is running a clear out. Two is running like kind of a slow play wheel. Three is running a flat. Basically turns to a flood concept, mm-hmm. and you just hit the hole where, you know, in your basic flood, the corner out would be. So watch it play out. Flat defender takes the fake, kind of sits over the flat. Wheel just throttles down in the void. Yeah. Uh, I think without watching too much of them, mm-hmm. I think that highlights doing him well yeah um he looks like a pretty good you know stud quarterback back there uh, you didn't see him push it downfield too much but the throws that he he made they looked good tight spiral he's moving around looking for guys and on the highlight tape that looks good if they showed all of his plays i think that's where you start to come back to life um but Right there, that his highlights actually looked a little bit better than what I expected him to be, to be honest. Okay. I mean, when I was watching it, it was – I was more focused on, like, wow, this one team is just absolute dog water. <laughs> uh, the other ones, it was – you know, they drew up some good plays for him. They uh, – like you said, a highlight reel made him look good. Yeah. But what's the – life's not a highlight reel. What's the rest of his game look like? And I think it speaks a lot that that wasn't even two minutes worth of clips, and we are in week five. So now get into um, the last two games against Eds are on YouTube. So if you want to get a whole feel for what Eds is, what they look like, then you can go back and watch those games. These are just the... So I I made some cut-ups of Ed's double mug stuff. They like to move around a lot. They like to blitz a lot. They like to send the heat quite a bit. It always ends up in some form or fashion, usually kind of a cover three. But these looks get tricky sometimes. So this first clip here is just a double mug look, which is when both inside backers are walked up on the A-gap. I know this clip here, the... Let's call him the Mike. Is already backing out to get to his coverage, but he did start up. He did start off in the A gap. You got two like wide nines, two three techs, and then both inside backers walked up. So this first one here, we're just running wide cross, which is lamp down here on the near hash, just running, you know, basic crossing route. And I can't tell if the two inside linemen are trying to run a stunt or if they're just like both slanting into the A-gap but this is just basically a bluff blitz straight rush cover three so you can go ahead and roll it 
So you can see, looked like Trone was expecting that uh, backer to blitz. He drops back into the window right where he wanted to put put the ball on the crosser. Deflected, almost intercepted. It is what it is. Anything stand out to you? No, I mean, it seems like out of everything, your most standard. Uh, I mean, bluffing a blitz, dropping into where you'd expect them to be. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's something you got to account for. They're going to show it and fake it. Mm-hmm. Not just that. You know, that's as simple as am I coming or not. Yeah. There's the other things where I'm showing one coverage, rolling a different coverage, and, you know, whatever. You know, I, I'm sure you have other clips. Yep, but, we'll get to that. Um, I mean, that seemed about as simple as a defense is going to disguise something. Yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, just it looks like there's a huge void in the middle of the field. Both backers are coming. You're probably looking to get rid of it quick with both guys coming, uh, and that's the open part of the field. They both drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure one could come. The other one could come. They could both come. They both drop. But uh, in that case, they both dropped right into the hole you were trying to fit it in, and it didn't work. So, so on to the next clip. Well, he's getting that ready. I'll explain it. Um, basically, exact same look, the double mug. Backers hold their water a little bit more, except this time the line runs a stunt. Both outside wide nines slant inside, and your inside three techs try and loop around. We get the ball out quick enough, but we'll see. So backers hold their water a little more, drop out. You can see the... uh, the loop action there. Trone likes the cover three. Basically, gives us a one to trips. Gives us a one on one to Ballard. What happens after that, Hank? Pass interference. I would have no clue what happened right here. Oh yeah, zoom out. <laughs> yeah. God. I know. It is what it is. But one thing with that. Um, with this double mug look, it doesn't let you get your back out on a route. You have to honor that the threat of the blitz. You keep your back in protection, and suddenly you have four guys running routes against seven men in coverage. Obviously, numbers advantage the defense. Basically, it just works out again to your standard cover three. Except this time, the backers don't really get a chance to, you know, playing from the line of scrimmage. They're having to haul ass to get to the to get to their hook curl zones. But against four verts, that's not doing much. Especially against that one on one shot to Ballard. So on to the next one. It's gonna be you can give it a pauser here. So this is there's all different kinds of what you could categorize as zone blitz. This is what you would call a sim pressure. So you fake a blitz, or you show a blitz, you end up only with a four-man rush. And if you drew it on a whiteboard, just standard cover three behind it. Except this time they're dropping. Uh, let me see. I took notes here. So third one. This is, but with this sim pressure, you actually get rotation on the back end. And one thing I did pick up with them when they're not blitzing you're not going to see any rotation. When they do blitz, they do rotate. 
So that would be something to look for in the game on Friday. They end up uh, sending the mic. Your backside three drops. Or I'm sorry, the mic and the three drop. Your Sam blitzes. As well as your other three down linemen. So you end up with a four-man rush, but the Sam coming, it's from an unexpected spot. So... You can let it play out. Again, it's four verts, another one-on-one shot to Ballard. I'm intrigued to see the number. The I'm intrigued to see the three drop here. I want to see if it is even worth it. What happened there, Hank? Oh, apparently it's a pass interference. Again, zoom out! God. Uh, yeah. So you can see you only get a four-man rush. The three drops, you probably, you're not expecting him to cover any specific route. Just get in the window of a hot that you might want to have coming into that uh, to that void in the field if you're expecting a blitz. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not common, but taking away a little hot route. Um I mean, what Steve Miller did it against Alabama yeah. in the semifinals game. Uh, you don't expect a defensive lineman to drop, so that's an extra confusing thing for a quarterback. But also, you have to have the hot route for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like in this play, you know, they could have just blitzed him. But you know, I guess he could be dropping into like a slant window there. I mean, with this, it's if you, if your protection can hold up for the three step and the real quick hitch. You're golden. A lot of teams, your hot route is going to be a shot play with the one-on-one. And in this case, you got a corner press man against Jaden Ballard. Yeah, I'm taking that shot all day, every day. So here you can, at the top of the clip, you can see the safety rotation. They're on a three-safety defense. The backside safety rolls rolls out. The free safety rolls down to replace the Sam. Mm-hmm. And the Sam, really, your nickel strong safety creeps up. And rushes. Yeah. Just rolling three under the trips there. Yep. Really just rolling to fill the void for the Sam for the Sam blitzing. Yeah. So your next clip is gonna be a five man blitz. They're running a cover three, like a fire zone behind it, which is basically three deep, three under. And really it's not even three deep. It's your your corners are manned up outside. And your underneath three defenders are working out who's got who's got two and three to either side. So on this one coming up, again you're gonna see rotation. That same rotation you just saw there with the mic and the sand blitzing. You jack drops your end loops to the A. This one pressure doesn't or pressure hits home, protection can't hold up long enough. So full screener, roll the clip. Line trips, motion to two by two. Just trying to run that four verts again. Can't get there. I kind of like that idea, though. What's that? Um, motioning back into two by two mm-hmm. as they roll away from it. If you could catch them in it. Unfortunately, you see that one on one with Ballard throw it all day every day but when it's covered and you got to like take another hitch you got to take another step or two 
your eyes aren't looking back to the strong side where your motion man came from. No, that needs to be down the sideline to Ballard or immediately over top to the corner route right there. Yeah. So it's like you look at this and you see your two down at the bottom here coming free, and really the only guy there is your free safety. Maybe make a play, but that's not where Trone's looking. Trone is looking, throw the one-on-one to Ballard, and he's not going to be able to get from Ballard to the two back to the two to the other side because of the pressure coming. See, can't hold up. Hits home. I'd like to see you motion early enough that you see that. Yeah. This was a game, you know, they... This was week one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Week one, 2020. Yeah. Being week one definitely changes a lot. But just the second time you've seen them roll into the trips, but now we're motioning away from it. So Mm -hmm. now you're going two by two against them rolling along. So... And uh, I think that's a position you'd like to be in yeah. right there. And again, it's not so much rolling into the trips. It's rolling into the void that the blitz would leave. So it's they're not rolling because of the offensive formation. They're rolling because of the defensive play call. So, Well, I'd like to see them do that at a 2x2 two two then. Yeah. Line up and do that against 2x2. Two two. Do they do that? I bet they didn't do that. Um, I bet they didn't. That's a smart. I don't know. We didn't have any. I didn't see any clips of them doing that, but. Because that's not a position you'd want to be in right there, right? Not really, no. You wouldn't want to be rolling. They're rolling to cover, Sam. I get it. But it's towards the trips, the uh, field side in this case. Uh, Sam, strong side. I mean, barely. They're placing the Sam, but you got two on two against. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's the spot they'd want to be in. No. Actually, I... Though they could probably roll in... See, it's, they do stuff like this. They, that's, they're that's they the kind of team that would then roll into a four. Yeah. And make it look like they're doing this same cover three roll down, mm-hmm. but they're actually just rolling back into a four. Getting back into <sighs> a cover four look. That's the kind of stuff that I could see them doing. Like other teams, like, oh, we're just... You know, you just make an adjustment... To where you can catch them off guard. But, you know, maybe you get heads once. But they do this stuff. That's just what they do. Yeah. This was a game, man. We, from play one, we we spammed four verts. And it's a good play call against cover three. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not just throwing shot plays down the sideline. You're attacking the seams of the cover three. Yeah. Getting that two-on-one on the free safety up the field. So it's not a hard throw. It's not a low percentage throw for a quarterback. We hit it quite a bit against them you can't you obviously can't run it the entire game you could just go cover one man then you got your seams covered and help with from the free safety as well then you have to like go from there to see if you can get to your shot play outside yeah and by that time with the rush that ed's had pressure's probably going to hit home now you're just more dependent on the outside routes yeah in that situation but which essentially turn into is my man better than your man so but I think just looking at this screen here, it really speaks a lot to what they thought of their corner to have him press manned one on one against Ballard like that. Yeah. And, you know, he lost some. He got got, but he got his too. And a little help from the rest of the defensive play calling, like that pressure there, it, it goes a long way. I got one more clip of their blitz stuff. 
from 2021 when Slaughter got thrown into the fire. This one, it's towards the end of the game. It's in the low red zone. There's sh- Again, zoom out. You can't see it, but they're showing a cover four show pre-snap. They rotate strong. The Mike and Sam blitz. The Jack drops. And they end up with a three on two on our man side of our protection. So what you're going to see is the right guard through the left tackle are sliding to their left. They're responsible for the gap to their left. The right tackles one-on-one. Our fullback is going to end up being responsible for B-gap because we're sending number two, um, Campbell, on a wide fade. Number one is running the snag route, which is like a slant sit. Uh, Running back, not Trell because he got hurt this game, is running just a swing route and backside running the slant. So if you want to roll it, we can watch what happens, and then I can talk through it a little more. Coverage bust. Um, Ball kind of sailed on him a little bit. If you want to watch the quarterback, he's got pressure right in his face. Can't really step into the throw, and it just kind of sails on him. Protection-wise, because they drop the jack and they're sending pressure to the man side, end up kind of wasting bodies. So we end up with a four-man slide against two rushers. Not what you want to see, but one of our tendencies is... We always slide away from the fullback. Um, On that, on its face value there, it's a bad tendency. However, the concept side is also usually to the fullback because that's where our twins are. And I'm more a fan of having the man side, the side that you you should be worried about, in the quarterback's vision. That way he can see if he's got pressure, if he's got a free man coming kind of out of his peripheral and know that he has to get the ball away quick. So another thing here is our right tackle. It looks like he starts to kick slide to the end and then abandons it to take the backer. You don't want to see that. You always want to take the closest, you know, the guy with the shortest route to the quarterback. In this case... It's going to be the end. So you'd like to see him man up and then just count on your quarterback to make the throw, get it out before the blitz can get there in time. Uh, this is, and they did this shit all game. You'd like to see, uh, you'd like to see it better, but, oh, also at the top there, you get basically a coverage bust. Yeah. Like I said earlier, this is a cover three fire zone. Um, which essentially you end up with your corner manned up on one and your your um, curl flat player essentially trying to take number two. Unfortunately, with the snag and the wide fade, it's like you got to treat it like a switch route. So one of those guys has to take, has to switch off, take the, outs- the outside route. They don't. rotating safety comes crashing down on the snag along with the corner trying to cover it it's a great play call to go into it right there um and i also think the protection holds up i think it just missed the throw yeah i think 
I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure, but I mean, just watching him, I don't know if he even really was affected by the pressure that much. I it, think he just <sighs> sailed it. I mean, just looking at it, like it looks like he can't really step into his throw. You know, he he can't really transfer his weight as much as he'd like to see a quarterback be able to do. He has to kind of flick it out there, can't follow through with his arm. And when you have to change up your mechanics like that, especially as a freshman quarterback, throw's probably not going to get where you want it to go. Ultimately, he didn't change the result of the game. I think he just missed the throw. Yeah. We'll agree to disagree on that one. I mean, I see what you're talking about. He does pull away a little bit at the end to avoid contact. But I don't know if that really affects his throw. I think he's just timing a corner fade route rather than seeing that it's busted coverage and just put it on him. I mean, that, those are the kind of things you're going to see with a freshman quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, first day being a freshman. Did school even start at this point? Is he still <laughs> eighth, eighth grader going into freshman year? No, no, um, school started. <laughs> so, but I like the play call because, you know, if you get that blitz, I mean, they jump that little slant hook but a little stick there but you know you got the running back releasing so i mean i, I think it's a good play against the blitz there yeah you just gotta you gotta make that throw that's all yeah but you know everybody misses throws and this was a freshman getting thrown into thrown into the fire week one he ended so. up so this game he ended up going what nine for 22 and the thing that stands out to me on that one is the fact that we had our freshman quarterback who wasn't the starter going into this game, throwing 22 passes against St. Ed's. Yeah. Which is... We talked about it on the podcast after that game. Like, the the fact that the play calling didn't change at all. Like, we were still in it. We were still... We didn't just like, okay, let's hand it off and get out of here. Yeah. It tells you the faith that the coaching staff had in him then, and I think it's starting to show now, like, what they saw and what he can be. Yeah, Absolutely. So, got three more clips for you. It was uh, at the top of this game before everybody got hurt when you come out and we had a plan for we had a plan for Eds. Come out, run some unbalanced. It was the first time we showed unbalanced all year. So the number three receiver uh, down here is ineligible. He's on the line. You run this stuff to, you know, get an extra blocker on the tag screen, widen guys out, play side for the run game. You and I talk about it, talked about it before and talk about it enough that yeah. when you run kind of a hurry-up offense, it's a way to get into – it's a way to get into, like, almost heavy – the idea of heavy personnel without having to substitute. You can just run up, you know, you come out three wide, one play – where you have three vertical threats. Next play line up in this, which is in theory, depending on the defense you're playing, gives you a very advantageous run look in a lot of aspects. But you don't have to substitute anybody. So this is the first play. This is our first offensive snap against Eds. You can see they don't really adjust to it. You got a three you got a three on two at the bottom. You want to see a tag screen thrown there. I think he just doesn't because of the pressed corner, but you got the numbers advantage. Try and force it in there. Instead, he hands it off. So, yeah, I mean, we've gone back and forth plenty on unbalanced sets, and I used to very much dislike 
unbalanced sets because if the defense knows that the number three receiver is ineligible right now, they can play it much differently. Mm -hmm. But I've come to realize that defenses aren't going to pick up on that. Not in real time, at least. You know, you just run up and you line up like that. The defense isn't looking to see who's on the line, who's off the line. Oh, they're both on the line. That means this guy's, wait, hold on, this guy's ineligible. Wait, no, that one's ineligible. Do they have a guy backside? You know, there's a tackle load. They just see trips, and they're pretty much just lining up the trips right here. You know, plus the full, you know, however they would normally line up to this, they aren't noticing that there's a guy who's ineligible. Yeah. So I've come to be more lax when it comes to unbalanced sets. But I'm still the guy that if I see a team lining up unbalanced, like, that's, I always tell you I don't look at formations that much, mm-hmm. but when a team lines up unbalanced, I like, something ticks in my brain where I notice <laughs> it right away. Yeah. I go, unbalanced, that guy's ineligible, he's ineligible, <laughs> it's a run, or like, screw number three, forget he's even out there. Yeah. Yeah, he can be a blocker for a tax and I get that, but like, if you knew he was ineligible and you had time to stop and draw up a defense for it. So like, it changes things a lot. The next clip you will see Edge realizes it, and I'll walk through the adjustment there. Well, let's watch this one. But you watch it play out. He hands it off on power. It gets stuffed for like a three-yard gain. I want you to watch the tag screen at the bottom, how it works out, and how this might have been a touchdown. Here we go. Oh, false start. We'll pretend like that didn't happen. See, Campbell ends up getting a good angle. Oh, I'll start again. (laughs) Campbell ends up getting a good angle on that corner because that part of the tag screen, at least the man running the route, you got to take like a couple hard vertical steps upfield. Yeah. Sell the vertical, sell the threat of vertical, and then get back, retrace your steps, give your numbers to the quarterback. I'm really surprised they didn't call a false start on that. Refs love calling that the receiver right in front of them. Yeah, when we ran a tunnel screen. In high school, it was like two hard steps upfield, mm-hmm. and then retreat back behind them. We were like two or three yards deep. Yeah, it took. I mean, it took a second. I mean, I think these tax screens a little bit quicker than that, but you're still pushing vertical first. Gives that blocker a second, and that's all it should take. You just need time to get leverage between. You just have to be inside the corner. I wish Campbell would have done a better job. That is Campbell, right? Yeah. I wish he'd done a better job of staying inside. Because you don't need to lock on. You don't got to get your hands on his shoulder pads and do a block like you would if you're an inline tight end. You just have to stay inside of him. And then look if the rece- receiver catches the ball, just goes inside. Don't let him inside. Bam. Yep. Seal him outside. You don't even, like. I don't care if you get hands on him. Just completely wall him off to the outside to where he has to go through the side of your chest in order to get back inside. Um and I'm sure that's a little bit of a coaching tip there. But, you know, we're looking at last year's film. But just the idea of it is what you're talking about is it doesn't have to be a great block. You just have to get in between him and the receiver. That's it. Yep. And then, yeah, if he catches that, where's the safety at? Uh, He's backing safe. off the screen there at the top. Yeah, Banks would have blocked him, hopefully, and yeah. boom, touchdown. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the benefit of having your three there, even though he's ineligible, he's still a blocker, and you still have to honor that. Yeah. So... On to the next clip. It was our, it was the 
next play after this one, same thing. He throws the tag, except this time you get to see Edge's adjustment to unbalance because they realized it. And what they do out of the cover three stuff is run corner over. So they'll take their backside corner, who's over there covering nobody, come over, stack up over top of the number three, and he's over there to help block. I like that. I mean, you know, corners are meant to guard receivers, mm-hmm. right? They're not out there to make tackles. No. So put them in the position where they can guard receivers in space and find those safeties or, you know, whoever they bump over, a Sam or something, put them more in the box for the mm-hmm. run support. So um, you can see him. You'll Once the clip rolls, you, you'll be able to see him hauling ass to get over there. We throw the tag, pick up a nice little five-yard, five-yarder, end up, uh, you know, third and three, third and manageable. The thing with that, when you run the corner over like that, pause it here. You really don't have much of anything backside. So this is something, when you run unbalanced, you're, yeah, you're trying to get a more advantageous look in your normal run game, but then you need to have a plan to attack that open side if they want to run corner or corner over like that. Because you have so much space on the open side that if you can get a guy loose out there, then he's off to the races. So here you can just watch the tag screen get thrown. Ends up three on three. Blocking out front. Ends up holding... Uh, has, has to make the receiver dance a little bit just long enough for the end to get over there and make a play on the ball. Yeah, I mean, you can still see, even the corner coming over here, his first thought is to get deep. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not attacking, especially from inside leverage. He's not used to being there. No, not used to, not used to being inside the defense like that. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know, first snap, would have loved to have seen that tag screen thrown, but we get it on the second and get a nice little five yards. All right, so the third clip I got queued up that Rob's going to bring up here, we uh, ran it in our second drive, came out, same formation, just flipped opposite, except now I... I'd love this play call. Execution left a lot to be desired, but what we end up running is counter tray left to the open side with the quarterback. Fullback, you know, filling in, taking on the end, filling that void left by the counter tray, left by the pulling tackle and guard. And you're running back, running a swing with three blockers out in front. You can see they're in their corner in the corner over stuff, so just a whole bunch of green grass down to the numbers here. And unless this was a specific like the play call says throw the swing, then quarterback is reading the Sam linebacker. The guy split out between the fullback and the three. If he crashes on the run, then throw the swing. If he stays outside if he does anything but crash on the run you want to see the quarterback tuck it and run behind his blockers on that counter tray runs kind of stuffed sam sits outside we throw this swing anyway plays kind of dead on execution but you can roll it and we can watch what happens yeah sam was sniffing that out yeah so you can see, I mean, 
the whole left side of the line, tackle, guard, and center, their down blocks are great. They build the wall. Um, you're pulling your right guard, pulling guard, going for the kickout block on the end. End kind of plays it a little different because he's seeing the quarterback drop back like that and go untouched. But he doesn't attack him to really get that kick out like you'd want to see. Would have liked to see the fullback get a better block there. Yeah, fullback just gets beat inside. The hole is there. I'm just questioning if he could have got there. Exactly. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if the quarterback would have been able to get there because that end crashes so hard. But the hole, you know, guard kick does kick out. Um, tackle wraps. Tackle makes a good wrap. I mean, yeah. Uh, let me see. Is it the mic or Will? Will linebacker here is just in a blender, hating his life. I mean, watch it. He doesn't know what to do. He's just he's he's seeing the blocking in front of him and the quarterback drop back. Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Yeah. And it so I, was, I clipped this on my phone so I could watch it, like zoom in and watch it super up close. You could see right when McElroy takes a snap, he flips his head to the Sam. And something in his brain, even though everything on the field says tuck it and run, something in his brain says throw it. Yeah. So he just tosses it here. Uh, He never looks at the blocking, so he can't really say, like, oh, he saw the run wasn't there and just decided to get rid of it. But, you know, wrong read on a throw. Um, This is essentially just an option play. It's the same as quarterback keeping the ball or pulling it on an option when the end's sitting there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. I've been playing a little bit of Madden lately. Mm-hmm. Um, not that much. But I was playing the other night, and I actually stopped to think about this, which I do it all the time. But, you know, I'll pull up my pre-snap play, right? It'll be like, all right. You know, I got this. Um, slot curl right here, or whatever. If that Sam drops, like I'm gonna, you know, move on or you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, and I will snap the ball, and I will watch that Sam drop right where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, I could fit in there, <laughs> and I throw it anyway. Yeah. It's like I just. Took ten seconds to look at this play, and I say, "All right, this is my first read. If that Sam doesn't drop, if he drops, then I am going to here, here, whatever." Snaps the ball, just a blatant drop. <laughs> Notice Scott, like you know, it's a video game, but like he drops right where I'm saying, if he does this, I'm not throwing it. He drops, throws it. Damn! <laughs> I, I, I just said I wasn't going to do it. And I did, and I do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a great Madden player, but it's stuff like that. It's like, all right, you know, if he crashes, like, but you just do it anyway. But, I mean, I guess the difference between playing a video game and playing in real life is you got to be able to figure that stuff out. You got to be able to make plays like that. But, yeah, I like that play call, except for the result. The uh, Well, the result, but also got to seal that end better. Yeah. Because, right, I paused it here for a reason. That is... So when you the, say the, seal the end, you're talking the fullback on uh, the, the field fullback. side end? Yeah, the fullback, yeah. yeah. Because right here, based on the timing, this is kind of where you would be, okay, tuck it. Mm-hmm. Or he might be like one step forward after tucking it. But look, I mean, there's no hole there. The right tackle is getting squeezed by the end. Yeah. Um, Which the guard kicks out. Could be a, you know more of a kick out. But 
would be fine if backside was okay, but backside's not okay, so you know, there's just nowhere for him to run there. Yeah. And but it's a great play call, like you said, because he kicks out. Tackle wraps well. And look at that. And, pause it right there. And look, there's your hole. Yeah. If you could hit that hole, he is off to the races. If you could follow the right tackle, mm-hmm. get outside of him and take off, absolutely. Um, but, you know, like we said, actually both ends kind of mess it up. And that's going to be a tough thing this week. Yeah. Ed says really good ends this year again. And we'll we'll get more into that here in a minute. But back to your point, I do the same thing in Madden, man. I'll sit back. I'm like, I call like three plays because I know how I know how the reads work. You know, drive, Y cross, four verts. Oh God, I'm Mike Leach. Um. Anyway, uh, same three plays. I can cycle through them. You know, know where to go if come up look at my pre-snap okay this is my read key if he drops i'm going here with the ball mm-hmm. if he doesn't drop then i'm hitting it right behind him and you know getting a nice 15 20 yard gain maybe take it to the house and by god if he doesn't drop it might something in my brain doesn't say yeah, i can hit the hole yeah it's every time every time I, it's infuriating but yeah i'm just really glad you do it too because like every yeah, time you end up like walking in watching me playing madden I feel like you always call out the open guy, but yeah, you know we what? also have different things because, like, like you said, you call the same plays. You know the reads. Usually, um, honestly, for the most part, I just spam like a and let the coach decide what play to call next. Yeah, and I'll just pull it up real quick. I don't look at what play it is or anything, and just go oh, like a post and some crossers. Okay, let's go. Uh, snap. And then I'm like just, you know, looking around. So, like, when I come watch you play, I might be watching what is your fifth progression, <laughs> but he's open. I go, should have hit X. Should have hit X. And you're like, I didn't have time to hit X. I'm like, he was open early. What do you mean? It's like, no, I was looking Y, B, A, L, 1, <laughs> and then X. Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I saw X early. <laughs> so that's half the battle. It's like, I'm just looking on one side of the field. It's like, oh, he's open. But, like, you're going through your progressions. Yeah. And I'm just like, nah, I'm just going to look at which guy's open. <laughs> and I will add to what I said about calling the same play. My offensive philosophy is I am going to dress up the same five plays a million different ways. So it's like I'm going to death by formation you and then just hit you with the same plays over and over and over again. And I got enough constraints on all that stuff that I can – you know, overplaying one thing, I can hit another. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, overall, I liked our game plan coming into Ed's last year. You know, with the unbalanced stuff, stuff we haven't shown before. Had ways to uh, take advantage of their corner, of their adjustment to our unbalanced formations. I think last year, though, we kind of knew that we weren't the better team. Like I said, big 2017 vibes. Didn't quite have the talent, but we're going to try it out here, see what we can do with what we got, and then go from there. This year coming in, though, a little bit different. I think it's going to be a little bit more like that 2020 game where it's like, okay, we got some dudes. And in that game, you saw us come out four wide, pushing the ball downfield, slanging the rock. A lot of formations, a lot of a lot of motion. One underrated thing in that game, going back through looking at it, was we were lining up our receivers. Like even though, oh yeah, we just ran trips like three times in a row. 
we were putting different guys in different spots in those trip formations every time. So it was like you could get a different guy in getting the ball. You know, you can come out and run four verts out of two by two three times in a row, but one time it's Ballard and Lamp in the slot. One time it's already lost his name. White boy four. Dude. Brawley. Brawley. Brawley and nineteen, seventeen. He was our fourth receiver for that game most of the time. Whatever. What next snap it's those two in the slot. Next snap it's Brawley and Ballard in the slot. Um Let me ask you this. Did yeah. Eds adjust to that at all? Or did they just treat everyone the same? Schematically, it seemed like they treated everybody the same. It seemed like their it's kind of what I'd figured. It seemed like their adjustment to our passing attack was center more heat. They came out and they played cover three a lot more early on, and then they started getting into that double mug stuff, the blitzing stuff. They're sending guys from all over the place. They started getting into that later in the game. So I think their adjustment was start putting Trone under a little more pressure, uh, see how much the protection can hold up, and make him be right with his first read. And if he couldn't be, or if the defense could, you know, rotate to it, or if, hey, if our guy can cover Ballard for three seconds, then pressure's going to hit home. So, yeah, it, it wasn't so much that I could tell small little incremental adjustments. More so, it was play call. Yeah. But that's all I got for film tonight. Uh, take a hop off, get into the edge preview, maybe some ideas of what we can do against them. And a couple other segments, call our night, huh? Let's do it. All right. All right, so that was a little film room action. Now into the edge preview. Um, let me see here. So they are currently 4-0, and had uh, a couple pretty convincing wins, a couple ugly wins. Looks like they average about 220 pass yards a game, or rush yards a game, about 110 pass yards a game. Um, I think we talked about this before. You know, their passing attack doesn't seem to be something to be too afraid of. Their rushing attack, on the other hand, with as good as that quarterback is in the option game, if nothing else, then it, it's a pretty potent attack. You know, you're not just four and zero, and they beat Elder last week, yeah, seventeen to fourteen. Just some quick stats that stood out in my head. Game one, they won twenty three nothing. According to Huddle, they scored all twenty three points in the first quarter, and then just packed it in. But Huddle's not necessarily always correct. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, the QB was only four for 12, 77 yards, but two touchdowns. An INT with 13 rushes for 84 yards. Running back had 15 rushes for 111 yards in that game. So pretty even split, but with as much as they run the option, I think that's, you know, the quarter that when you run the option, you're at the end of the day, you're letting the defense dictate who the ball carrier is. And I think a lot of defenses are going to look at that team and say, oh, well, we want the ball in the quarterback's hands and make a play on him rather than give it to the running back. Second game was that trash team, and it was the dollar store Minnesota Vikings. They won 42-10. Q- 
QB was pretty sharp that game, 11-14, 162 pass yards. Only five rushes that game. Running back had 12 rushes, over 100 yards, two tutters. Third game, they went 13-9. Really weird score. Um, quarterback was only 5-15. for 15. Only 2-8 of eight on third down and 1-2 on fourth. So I don't know if that team was like pretty good or if Ed's just wasn't great. Then against um, Elder, they won 17-14, had 300 rush yards on the day, but four turnovers. Yeah. And held Elder to uh, 69 yards rushing. So, like we said, you know, they're a really good ground and pound team. Like we've said and seen, you know, our front seven, man, is when they're on it, they can be world beaters. So I think this is going to be a real unstoppable force meets immovable object type matchup. And, and, you know, I don't know how potent Elder's run game is, but to be one of the top teams in the state and get held to 69 yards on the ground, I can't imagine their slouches there. Yeah. And that's where we make our money at is, you know, the shot plays downfield and the ground and pound attack. So that'll be another matchup to look at just in general. The theme of the game is going to be each team seems like it's really good at defending what the other one is good at. So who's going to step up? Who's going to make a play? You know, is our line going to get movement up front? Is our defensive front seven not going to let him go anywhere with the ball? and make the quarterback make a play with his arm. So with that, uh, Rob, you want to run through the roster, see any names of note, any anything that stands out? Yeah, so, I mean, their personnel kind of matches um, this style of play that they have. They have a very big offensive line, 6'7", six, uh, six, 280, 6'5", so Bigums. Big line, yeah, that's for sure. Uh shortest guy is six three, smallest guy is two eighty. So uh huge offensive line. They have their left tackle, left guard, and right tackle all have offers from Penn State. Oh. So uh that's worth noting. Uh center has some small school offers. Um, right guard, don't know about when it comes to offers. But big line, right? Good line. Uh, they're tight end. Uh, he's a good receiving p- target. Uh, he's 6'3", 210. So got some size to him mm-hmm. there. Uh, so the receivers, 6'2", 185, 6'1", 170, 5'10", 160. Uh, it, it's the one, and he, he's actually number one, uh, receiver, Kyan Mason, mm-hmm. he's their number one big threat player. So they on have offense. him. They have him labeled as the H. So that means they he's more of their slot guy. Mm-hmm. He has an offer from Pitt. Uh, number one big threat player for sure. So uh, let's see here. Running back is five nine one ninety, and they have another backup running back five ten one eighty that are similar players. Strong physical runners. Uh, let's see the quarterback. He's a junior, six one one ninety five. 
Uh, we saw some film of him. Uh, we went through some of his stats as well. You see the good. You hear about the bad. His percentages are definitely not where you'd want your starting quarterback's percentages to be. You know, going like what four twelve in one game, five yeah. and five of fifteen for another game. That's that's not where you want him to be. Uh, in elder the elder game, you know, they had some turnovers. Uh, I know they fumbled at like the half yard line at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterback threw a bad interception at one point. Just just over the middle didn't see the five defenders that were right there <laughs> yeah um i mean you saw the one piece of film where he goes out and scrambles throws it in a triple coverage rather than didn't mm-hmm. even see his tight end just wide ass naked open yes I checking mean, the time yeah the biggest thing is going to be checking him in the run game right they, they're going to do that option you're going to have to be disciplined everybody's going to have to play their lanes and try to shut that down the best as possible because that's really what they rely on. Uh, what we saw from the highlights earlier is when they do pass it, they have some nice concepts. They like to try to beat you with the concept rather than the athlete, it seemed, from the quarterback's highlights at least. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the wheel, they got the throwback, um, some stuff like that. So just a straight drop back pass play. Haven't seen them do much with that. Um, you know, it. If you go back and look at his highlights, that's probably most of his yeah. like, successful pass plays on the year total. So something to what you said, that we're this far into the year and his highlight looks like that. Uh, so don't expect them to just come out and throw it on us that well. I mean, every team's going to get one. They're a smart team. They have some smart concepts, what we've seen. They're, they're going to try to get their guys open. And the quarterback, it looks like he can hit the open receiver, at least on his highlights. Mm-hmm. You know, might struggle and be inconsistent, but his highlights it made it look like he has a good has a good ball that comes out. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, pretty accurate, also. So good throwing motion um, that usually lends itself to a you know pretty consistent, accurate ball. Yeah. So where the issues come from, I'm not sure. You know, maybe you get into you know those third and eights, third and nines, and you know it's passing down, and that's where he struggles because you don't see him just dropping back, scanning the field, and throwing in rhythm that much from his highlights so we'll see but the number one thing is you have to shut down the run you have to shut mm-hmm. down that option keep him from running um or you know like hank said pick where you want the option to go but limit the yards so they give me the quarterback and have a hundred percent share of the runs but just don't give him a lot of yards so uh i mean in the past our defense has always done well against run dominant teams even when there is like what people would call like trickery to it like you know not not that an option is really tricky but they're trying to find you where you're weak at right Mm -hmm. um or even like be deceiving with it potentially to an undisciplined defense and i think our team has been so disciplined over the years on defense against the run and how good our front seven is this year. It's going to be a tough battle for both teams. It's going to be our front seven going against Ed's running attack that, you know, they're known for it. It's what they've been doing all year. It's what they've been doing forever, and it's going to be a tough battle. Um, I would expect it to be a grinded-out game. Yeah. You know, each team might have a big play that happens, but in general, I think there's going to be a lot of running clock, 
you know, quick game mm-hmm. where it's just they're running it, we're running it, we're stopping the run, they're trying to stop the run. So it's going to be a tough game in the trenches, but just conceptually, I think our defense is up for the task. Now, can they do that against an opponent with this size and shut them down? You've seen what they can do against Glen Oak, do against Mansfield, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do against a Warren. You give up a big play, but in general, you're not giving up yards, right? I mean... Can you do that against an Eds? You could even go back and watch the Mueller game once it's on YouTube in December. December, like, 24th or something, yeah. It, it got bumped up to the 4th. You know, oh, the December day, 4th. The day after the season officially ends for OSHA. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't want anybody to have film out there of those great angles. Yeah, just, you know, you can see so much going on. Um, that... Moeller never really drove on us consistently. Yeah. Everything came off a big play. Absolutely. It was either off, you know, a missed tackle on an RPO, uh, just missed tackles here and there. I'll I'll give him the shot play that T-seam. That was perfectly drawn up play, coverage beater. They won that one. You know what? I'm not taking that one off the board for big plays we shouldn't have given up. Everything else, though... You contain that. I think this game is going to look a lot like what the Mueller game should have for us. And it's going to be a schlobber knocker. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, that being said, that was their offensive side of the ball. Rob, you want to tell us a little bit about the defense? Sure. Let's see here. Uh, so the defense conceptually is going to be the same thing. They have two very good ends. Uh, let's see here. Six five two fifty, six one two twenty five. Uh, one's going to Coastal Carolina. One's going to Northwestern. So, college kids. They aren't players. College kids, yeah. Um, they're good. Yeah, they're good players. Uh, they wreck havoc. And I was watching the one YouTube video earlier today where it showed some highlights of the older game, but also was like interviewing some of the players, interviewing the coach. And they were talking to one of the ends, and they were talking about like this little battle that they have going on where, you know, they're both trying to get sacks, of course, but it seems like it's a little bit of a challenge, a battle, like a competition between them. Mm -hmm. It's like they're trying to compete against each other. See who can do better, who can get more sacks, get more tackles for losses. Uh, you know, high energy players, and it's going to be tough to try to contain both of them throughout the night. Uh, with that, they have a defensive tackle that has an offer to Kentucky, six five two fifty five. Uh, nose tackle five eleven two thirty five. So, okay. so not quite as big, but now I do want to make note of this because we both got the thing. It looks like that the nose tackle is, I don't want to say the worst guy up front because I don't think they really have any bad players up front. He's just the least standout of the four, of their front four. Yep. And he's wearing number 11. We've talked about this before, bad numbers. A nose tackle wearing number 11 and you're not a the dudest of the dudes, I think he needs to, like... Well, none of them wear, like, defense line numbers. 
But if you're wearing number 11 as an interior defensive lineman, you better be, yeah, be the dude. dudest dude that ever duded. That is like a dude number. Yeah. And he's not. So I I think the officials should treat it like bad knee pads and make him go to the sideline, leave change. the game yeah. until he changes into an appropriate number. Yeah. I need like give me like a give me like a 58. 58? Yeah, 58. Not yeah. even the respect yeah. of like a 98 or something? Like No. That seems like just like looking at our little scouting report, he's a 58. Okay. An offensive lineman that's playing defense? Yeah, just a, just a lineman number, yeah. Nose tackle. That's, All right. <laughs> that's a nose tackle number if you go both ways. Sure. It's high school, too. Ed's isn't going both ways like that. All right. Keep her moving. Linebackers, what do we got? All right. Linebackers. Uh, seems like a strong suit. Six foot 225, six foot 200, 5'11", 210. Now, with that, with the 5'11", 210, he's their second Mike backer. Yep. So they run, you know, kind of similar to us. Guess we should have, like, started with that. But, yeah, their, their defense is a little bit different. It's, um, I mean, essentially our Sam linebacker is a – is another strong it's like a your classic roll down cover three strong safety on the field he's gonna be able to fit the run but he's gonna be able to play in space play vertical too so they really only trot out two inside linebackers your mike and your will just like we do i think structurally the only difference is that they keep their ob their jack backer down on the line in a five tech stand up but still down on the line and they play cover three rather than cover four so, safety's strong, free, and weak. What do we got there? Uh, 5'11", 160, 5'8", 150, 6'190". Uh, not the strongest part of their team there. Um, let me see here. I, I mean, that, well, yeah, it's not the strongest part of their team. So, uh, whereas they're a little bit more stout up front, mm-hmm. secondary, um wax a little bit of that firepower so at least from the safety standpoint and i mean like you said they're deploying a third safety we have it classified as a third safety so um not the strongest part of their defense so with that at least in the passing game you'd want to look more for the matchups you know from your slots your number two receiver over their defender what can what can he do against him in coverage um, your guy, you know, between outside the tackle box but inside the corner. I think we've shown formationally we can move guys around enough. If we got a matchup we think we like, then we can put guys there, force them to cover them, and see what happens. Corners, round out the defense. 5'10", 160, 5'11", 170. Uh, decent players. Uh, the one has some small-time offers, but in general – it looks like those might be some matchups so we could exploit as well. Mm-hmm. So the secondary in general, I think you're kind of looking for matchups. And I think we're going to try to find some matchups against their secondary. So uh, they're out there. They're to be had. So, you know, like you said, they move things around so much. And it's kind of always hard to get an idea of exactly what they're, they're going to give us on defense in the secondary. But we do match up against their secondary. As long as we can 
read everything well, have the play call matched against we know what they're protected. going to protect it well. Um, we have some shots, so there's probably not with that good of a team, with that well coached of a team, you're mm-hmm. not going to get too many, you know, open no. shots. You're going to have to capitalize. Yeah. So when you get them, you got to make them count for sure. You're not against a team like this. You're not going to have that tight end running wide ass open down the middle of the field like that. Yeah. Um, with their corners, I see they had they had them labeled right corner and left corner. Yep. Which you know they line up on the same side of the field every time. Something like that. Again, you can move guys around, put guys where you want, try and find your best matchups. Almost treat it like the old Legion of Boom days where Richard Sherman was always on the same side of the field. And most teams towards the end there when they go and play him, they're just putting out their scrub wide receiver four lined up against him. We know the ball's not going his way. Just scratch it off. We can scheme up or find the matchup somewhere else. So look for that to be a matchup. Into the blitzing stuff, um, you know, like we showed in the film room, talked about in there. Ways to combat that. I think the biggest thing is just staying on schedule. You know, don't get in those second and long, third and long, obvious passing situations. You stay out of that, and you can try and you can force them to stay more honest to the entire game that you can bring to the table. You know, honor the run game. Uh, second and ten, you're probably not getting much in the run in the way of the run anyway, with the way their front seven is. So you might have to pass the ball a little more than you'd like. And when you're in those situations, then they can start running all that razzle dazzle bullshit. That works for him. Another way you can combat that is with tempo. And that's not just moving fast. That's, you know, like hit him with, the, like get a good play, run, hit him with another one real quick, hit him with another one real quick. And they come up to the line, act like you're going to hit him with another one quick. And then hit that freeze call, check with me stuff. And just keep, you want to vary the tempo so that they don't know what's coming. And we talked about it on the podcast. It was either last year or the year before about how we always gave away the freeze call. We fixed that this year. Uh, Before this year, anytime we were doing the check with me stuff, the linemen never put their hands in the dirt. Then after the play, they would get down in a three-point stance. This year, they're always in a three-point stance. And then when they do the freeze stuff, check with me get up, look at the play, and then get back down. So we no longer have that tell that we're not doing, that we're not running a play, so they have to honor every time we get up to the ball. One other thing is the quarterback can vary up his cadence. A traditional cadence, you know, like the blue-blue set go, you'd want to see a quarterback against a team like this because you can see that they don't rotate until they know the ball's about to be snapped. Um, you would like the quarterback to instead of like. So my senior was like white white set, white white set, that was it. You would want white white set, white white set. Like you want to change up the cadence so the defense can't get a key on it. A little bit harder the fact that we go with the clap this year, but you see it in college all the time. Quarterbacks like walk up to the line, fake clap, real clap. Easy enough. Like, you can even be bigger, more boisterous about it. Uh, but there's ways to combat that all of the shit they do. I think the last thing is hiding what side is your 
slide side, what side's your man side. So they can't keep scheming up what side to blitz on. And the easiest way to do that when we're in obvious pass sets for wide stuff, you know, one play running back is lined up to the man side. Next play running back is lined up opposite the man side, and he just post snap bumps over real quick, you know, crosses face. And, and we're really good at that. That's one thing that when we're in our four wide stuff, you can't really get a read on what side is going to be the man and slide side. I think we protect that pretty well. Overall, I think we have the tools in the toolbox to be able to combat what they do. Yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up pretty well. I mean, there's always some things you can do um, to keep a defense out of rhythm or to keep them from being able to control things too much. I mean, changing up the snap count, not just the cadence itself, but, you know, going going for on two every now and then. You know, get a defense lineman to jump. Stuff like that. You got to stay disciplined. You know, Ed's is a disciplined team as well, but just one of those things that slows them down. Um, going up tempo, in general, we've talked about, like, usually keeps a defense a little bit more vanilla because they just want to get lined up and play football rather than trying to adjust and make sure they can get you know, they don't want to give up any big plays so they want to make sure everybody's in the right position the way to do that is keep it a little bit more vanilla uh you know good teams are still going to be able to mix things up a little bit against uh speed but you can limit it by doing that so uh i'd like to see uh specifically because how we were watching the, the film earlier but you know show some of those motions uh motion and see what the defense does you know, or are they timing it up? Are they trying to roll? Are they trying to disguise stuff? Can we motion, take a second, and then still snap? You know, does it have to be in rhythm? You know, can you motion to a different formation? You go from three by one to two by two, two by two to three by one, uh, however you want to do it. You know, can you can you do that and then read the defense? And that's the nice thing about motioning is it can show the defense to tell sometimes. It forces them to give up what they want to do. Or they might be timing it off of that. You know, as soon as you motion, are they rolling immediately? Are they waiting? Are they trying to time it up to snap? Sometimes you're going to see stuff like that. The more you vary your cadence, you vary your timing, it messes with the defense's timing as well. So they're going to accidentally show things sometimes when you do that. So uh, some of the things I'm looking for, you know, the defensive ends, can we run right at them? Can we slow them down by running at them? You know, they're going to get a pass rush. They're good players, but sometimes the best thing to do against a good defensive lineman is run right at them. Can you tire them out? Can you run at them, slow them down? Uh, can you make them come from a further distance with an inline tight end, uh, the fullback in there? It's going to be a tough game for sure, and Ed's is so well-disciplined. They do so many different things, and they have the talent to back it up that we're going to have to be on our A game, but... These are all things that we have shown in the past. It's nothing new that we have to do. We just have to go out there and do it. So just a couple of the things that would come to my mind when it comes to playing a team like this. I think the last thing I'm going to add is when you play these really good teams like Ed's is, you know that they're not scared of you. So they're not going to panic, shit their pants throw out their entire defense and just throw a bunch of bullshit at us. You can watch film 
see what they do against similar opponents and against what they did against you the last couple of years and know that that's probably what you're going to get on Friday night. You know, you come into a team against, like, say, Mansfield, where they're pretty structured, look like a pretty standard cover four, four three, four two five under front team. And then Friday night they run that six one front, overload one side, overload another. Even talking to Trox before the game, he was like, you know, we couldn't get a read on where they were overloading. It was it there was no rhyme or reason as to it was to the field, to the boundary, to the fullback, to the tailback's alignment. They could they couldn't get a read on it because it was almost at random. And we've been seeing that enough. We're really good at figuring out how teams are trying to play us that you can usually, you know, by halftime at the latest, get a figure out how they're trying to overplay it. So coming into Friday night, you you know what you're going to face. It's just can you line up, put your hand in the dirt, and beat them. Yeah. So that's all I got for the edge preview. Um Let's get into some spreads, some fan questions, and get out of here, huh? All righty. Jump into some spreads first. Uh, this is my first time looking at it as well. All right. So we're going to go through this together here. All right. So, ooh, almost missed one. Hoban, 13-point favorites at home against Ignatius. Ooh. Um... Hoban's first in-state game this year. I guess, you know, Maslin, we can't... We have trouble finding opponents that want to play us within the area. Apparently, Hoban has trouble finding teams within the state that wants to play him. Third, Hoban's minus 13 against Ziggy, huh? Yes. Hoban's so good. You know, when you're playing a all-Ohio team like Hoban is... Everything in there implied, I'm implying. They're hard to beat, man. Iggy Ziggy, but Hoban's Hoban. Give me Hoban. Yeah. I mean, the all-Ohio team that has starters from not Ohio on their team. Um, That is tough. I think I'm going to go with Iggy to cover. Taking Iggy to cover. Would you take him outright? Do I think Iggy's going to win? I haven't really watched too much of either team this year. I pay attention to some spreads. Hoban, I don't think, has had a spread that we've mentioned or yeah. I've seen because it's, you know, not familiar teams. Well, when you're playing Colorado Sister Marys of the Poor. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, half their kids are probably from um, – so uh, – <laughs> no, they don't have kids from Colorado, I don't think. Only from California. Um, and that's legit. <laughs> Kid from California, yeah. Quarterback from Virginia. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna take an ace as a cover, and that's as far as I'm gonna go with it. All right, I like it. Alliance minus six at Central Catholic. Is Central Catholic anything this year? I saw they were ranked like mm. fifth and D, whatever the hell they are. They hung with Perry for. Almost a half. Give me before, Alliance. Before getting blown out. The fact that you said they hung with Parrot, give me Alliance. Alliance. Alliance got blown out by 
Lake? Don't care. Like 40 to nothing? Central had to hang with Perry. Give me Lions. <laughs> Lions minus six at Central. Okay. Northwest minus 34 at Tusla. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Mustangs are down bad, I guess. Oh, yeesh. Northwest just got beat last week. Tusla down bad. I like Alliance to win, but give me Tusla to cover. Tusla to cover. All right, let's see here. Lake minus 27.5 at Louisville. Oh, man. Couple, you know, sneaky fast teams. Real gym rats. Ah, God. Give me Lake. Let me see. 27.5. Yeah, I'm going to take Lake also. Hoover minus 3.5 at home. Against Glen Oak. Wow. Hoover. Down substantially. Got beat up by Mansfield. Beat up by Mansfield, who couldn't even put a point on the board against us. Against our JV squad, no less. Uh, I mean, it was mostly varsity. (laughs) JV got some time out there. Uh, give me Glen Oak. Really? I need a dog here. Okay. Perry, minus 15, at home against Jackson. Perry coming off a big comeback win against McKinley. McKinley. Big hangover game. Give me Jackson. McKinley, minus two at Green. Oh, boy. Is McKinley going to finally get one this year? I mean, holy shit. Like, Ofer. 0-4 McKinley. Ba- oh, for the love of McKinley. Barely favored against Green. Oh, for the love of McKinley. Can they cover minus two at Green? Because they're 0-4. Green's still running five wide? Ofer. Yeah, the quarterback... Who is a, a failed? Uh, that's a bad way of saying it. Uh, Green's quarterback went to Hoban, didn't make it, so now he's back at Green. And he threw it like sixty-eight times last week. Give me Green. Yeah, I think that five wide might be a little weird for McKinley. Uh, okay, Iowa State minus eighteen at home against Ohio. <laughs> Revenge game for Matt Campbell. Because it's the state he's from. Iowa State. (laughs) Yeah, do that math. Oklahoma minus 12 at Nebraska. Nebraska just fired their head coach. Yeah, do they have the... Need a win, need some coach. Miracle right there. Got the interim coach. Needs something for that program. They're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink against Oklahoma, who lost Lincoln Riley, and other than that, I don't know what they are. Yeah, they got what's-his-face, though, right? 
as their coach, Venables. Oh, yeah. You think he could dial something up against lackluster Nebraska? But doesn't change anything you said about him. Give me the Cornhuskers. They need one. That program is down bad, and they are, like, hungry for a W. Yeah. Michigan State at Washington. Washington minus two. Go Big Ten. Miami at Texas A&M. A&M minus six. A&M just came off a heartbreaker to App State. Um, uh, Jimbo Fisher's got the bag, and he's got... And he's got just so much job security there. I'm so down on A&M that I don't even... I already lost who you said they're playing, but I'm picking the other team. Miami. Never mind. A&M to cover. You don't like the U, huh? Nah. Mississippi State minus two at LSU. Last thing I heard about Mississippi State was they put up like 800 yards against LSU in 2020. Okay. Then Bo Pelini got fired. He was the D.C. for LSU that year. Go air raid. Give me Mike Leach. The last I heard about LSU is that they have a coach that shouldn't be there. So, uh, Go Tigers. That's not him. I know. BYU at Oregon. Oregon minus four and a half. I like the Mormons. Penn State minus three at Auburn. Mm. Go Big Ten. Ohio State, 31-point favorites at home against Toledo. Ohio State's got to cover sometime. It's going to be this week. This is the one they cover. That only leaves us with the Maslin spread. I think they got Ed's minus six. No. Minus 14? No. Maslin minus three? (laughs) No. (laughs) Wrong direction? Yeah. Oh, God. What is it? Ed's 17. 17. Yeah. What, three possession game, huh? That's what they think of us, apparently. Wow. Wow. Oh, dude, I'm taking Masson all the way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not homering, but like... If nothing else, I think it could be a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. To win by 17 is going to be something. You know, I think we played horrible against Moeller. Yeah. And we kept it close. I mean, we were in it. Yeah. Like, we were never. We were out of it, but we weren't. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I think for it to be 17 points, like, you'd have to jump up on us early and yeah. then both teams grind it out after that. Yeah. You, I mean. I mean, it could be like a ten point game, and you get one late. But I, I, I'm taking. I mean, I'm taking Mass on the cover for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I like Mass on Mass. Absolutely, Mass on plus seventeen. Yes, yes, hammering that for sure. All right, 
So that's all we got for our spreads. Let's get to the fan questions. Um, I think you know which one should be last. That's weird. Let me see, because I, I mean, I, I saw some of them come in, right? But that doesn't mean that I saw all of them. I'm guessing you want that one to be last. The uh, the the pretty obvious, the shortest question we got. Yeah, yeah. So let me see. I think that's. Uh, we can ooh, do. Ma- we'll do that one second to last. I like that one. I for- I forgot about that one because it wasn't. Max is that he sent last week? Yeah, yeah. I like um, that one too. Okay, uh, anonymous <laughs> submission. In all caps, holy shit, a slant. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean... I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've talked about it before. We've had the slant in our playbook for a while. We've... Usually it's on the backside of some kind of zone beater trips concept. We just don't throw it a lot because you see so much zone in high school that usually there's a backer dropping into that window, so you don't want to throw it. It's there if quarterback walks up the line. If he sees man, then, yeah, throw the slant. But, like I said, we get so much zone. Just that's the nature of high school football. It just doesn't get thrown. I think this goes back to a lot of what I've said over the last couple episodes of just because you don't see the ball go that way doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. But, yes, it was nice to see a slant taken to the house. It's my first time reading the second half of this one. I didn't realize it was a long one. Uh, Let's see here. A tight end pass. That was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, First game, I had nothing to worry or complain about. That's good. Um, I've watched the last two Eds games, and they are definitely beatable. I'd agree with that. Yep, they're not unbeatable, that's for sure. Um, with a bit of luck, the Tigers can do this. Play clean, limit the unforced errors. This is definitely doable. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same concept for playing any good team. Um, Ed's is beatable. Mm. We should have beat them two years ago. Two years ago. 2020. Should have beat them two years ago. And, you know injured quarterback and some stuff happens and yada yada but yeah i mean they're definitely a beatable team that's for sure uh but against any good team you got to come out you got to play clean Mm -hmm. win the turnover battle uh no dumb penalties limit the penalties in general play smart football and you know catch a break every now and then yeah any game can go any direction so um, I think I'll roll through this a little bit. Tight end pass, that was beautiful to see. We just haven't needed him much in obvious passing situations. We haven't needed him much because when we're in obvious passing situations, he's not our fourth best receiver, so you don't have him out there. Other than that, Moeller was really the only team you'd want to catch him off guard in so much as have a tight end on the field and run some kind of drop back pass or something like that with him there. And when we did, I talked about before, the first time we ran drive this year, he was the one running the dig route. It's just that their backers dropped, covered it up, and the drive route, you know, coming the shallow underneath it 
was the one that was open, so that's where the ball went. Other than that, yeah, he's mainly been in in protection or there to, like against Mansfield, extend the edge for the run game. His job is mainly as a blocker. You don't see it as much now because we can run four wide because we got the athletes. When we want to pass, we get you get the best athletes on the field. But using him in the pass game like that, love to see it. First game, I had nothing to worry, complain about. Yeah, I think we played a real clean game. We didn't have much to say in the Warren segment because they're we were just looked so good. Uh, Ed's definitely beatable. Like you said, anything's beatable. With a bit of luck, the Tigers can do this. I don't think we need luck. I think we play our game. Like he said, like he went on to say, limit the unforced errors, play clean. I like us. Uh, And he went on to say, first week of a multi-week meat grinder. I don't know who the meat grinder is because we have... Fitch than a Delaware team. Fitch is good. Yeah, Fitch is good. Fitch is always weird. Fitch is good this year. But I wouldn't call him a meat grinder. Fitch is good this year. All right. It, we're not going Ed's Iggy. No. Hoban. No. That's but, what I call a meat grinder. But, I mean, Warren's not great. Mansfield wasn't great. Glenoak wasn't good. So, yeah, I mean... It would have been different, I guess, if you went more Glen Oak, Eds, Mansfield. <laughs> you know, or like, nah, I guess you would have spaced it out more. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have two decent teams back-to-back. I mean, yeah. Eds is good. It's a good Fitch team this year. It's, it's a good Fitch team. Not, again, not trying to take anything away from them. I just think as many D1 kids as we have. Oh. I like us in the trenches. I think we're going to run all over without watching a lick of anything about them. In general, they're not as big as us, but they do have like a defensive end that's like a Big Ten guy. Run away from him. Run at him. They had a defensive tackle that played in the league. As a center. And our entire our entire game plan, you just run away from the good kid. Like It, it worked. Yeah, it depends on the kid. Sometimes you run away from him. Sometimes you run at him. And yeah. Your scheme, their scheme. But, but yeah, that's... All I got for that one, um, like I said, I like our chances. And last Delaware team that came to town, we crushed them. So I, yeah. I wouldn't put that in the meat grinder category either. Yeah, I think it's referring to Fitch. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Here's one that I don't think we've ever really just talked about. We've danced around the subject. And I don't think I'm really going to talk about it now either, but it's it's more of a direct approach. Uh, let's see here. My question is, did the talent of Turner, Justin Turner, Devin Smith, Kyle Kemp, Brody Ton, Gary Ann Connolly, et cetera, et cetera, mask how bad the program was under Jason Hall? Yep. Or did he just burn out during his hour-long commute every day? That's a nice little shot at him, because if you didn't know, he lived in, like, the northern part of Twinsburg or something, and he'd roll in at, like, 10 a.m. every morning. Yeah. Yeah, morning. Um, Let's see here. What really happened? I'm grateful for the fully invested staff we have today. Uh, 
so yes, the program's <laughs> in a much better spot now. Yes, there was talent here when Jason Hall was here. Yes, Jason was not <laughs> great. <laughs> um, I, I think all of that. I mean, yeah, the program wasn't as good. You know, we still had some. I mean, we still have some of the same coaches. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not a full turnover. It's not like everything was bad. That's for sure. Um, but starting at the top, it's definitely better now. Uh, yeah, the program wasn't great. In if you're looking at it from more than just a wins and losses category, because there's so much more to it than that. You know, a lot of people would only want to talk about that, but you know, development, youth programs, academics, uh, getting kids into college, all of that was was a nothing. I mean, that wasn't happening when Jason was here. You know, some of the kids you talked about. Um, I mean, Justin Turner, Devin Smith, Kyle Kemp, Brody, Garyon. So, I mean, <laughs> JT was an All-American. He was going to a big school, whether Jason Hall had anything to do with it or not. Devin Smith um, used to get a letter. This, this, true story. He would get a shoebox. Every single day after school, in the off season, I think it was usually Berkeley would bring him a shoebox that had all these different college letters in it. And like during basketball season, Devin would take them, and a lot of the times he didn't really look at them. He wanted to go to Ohio State. That's what he wanted to do. Ohio State was the school, and of course, like Ohio State and Urban Meyer and how they recruit, especially kids from in the state especially kids that want to go there already they wait to the last second yada 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 Devin was getting letters from every single school in the country every single school in the country like daily <laughs> there was nothing Jason Hall could do to stop him from going to a big school um Garyon ran like a 4-2 at the Nike combine and had big schools all over him the next day you know yep hard to hide that Kemp going out there and breaking records um his dad his brother is well connected with colleges and stuff and yeah uh the bigger story is all the kids that didn't go to college when jason hall was here it's easy to talk about the few that did but if you go back and look at some of the talent we had or even if you don't look i mean this is maslin right there's always talent somewhere yeah. There are college kids out there. And the fact that, like, not many of them were really going to college for sports, not just football, but sports. Yeah. Um, there's stories of college letters mysteriously disappearing oh, good. in Jason I, Hall's. You've been dancing around that. I was hoping you um, wouldn't... Uh completely neglect the fact that he was hiding letters yeah um i'm not gonna put his name out there but guy got a letter from buffalo hall hid it from him found out about it like much much later went to buffalo said hey like yeah i would love to be here and they said 
sorry, kid. You know, we gave the, ended up we didn't hear anything back from you, so we had to give the scholarship back to somebody else. So there's a couple of stories like that. There, there's kids that went to schools, but there were other schools looking at him that he didn't know about. Um, a guy in my grade had letters that he ended up finding, mm-hmm. but it was like super late. And then end up nothing was optimized. You know, now we are pushing kids into schools, right? Yeah. There are coaches here, colleges here all the time. They have the showcases. They're promoting the kids to these schools nonstop. Whereas in the last regime, there were kids that didn't even know there was colleges interested in them. So uh, not great from that standpoint. But I mean, there's I, also a rumor that Jason was trying to get a coaching job at a specific college. Really? And that's like part of the reason why he was pushing the one kid to go to a school and hiding all of the other letters from him mm. because Jason thought he was getting a coaching job at that college. Yeah. That could be false. I don't know. But it winds up. Uh, and if you want to know anything about, uh, the program under Jason Hall, just look at his record since he's left. Yeah. And look at Maslin's record since he's left. I mean, yeah, we've had stars in here too, all world talent at various positions, but he was the consummate play down to your opponent level head coach. Yeah. Um, the only people that really have anything good to say about Jason were the kids that played under Stacy? Yeah, I always found that surprising, and I think that really, to me, that speaks more about whatever the fuck Stacy was yeah. than what Hall is. But you you talk to kids that never really got to play under that Stacy regime, and nobody liked Hall. It was, I mean, we've. I can't remember if we openly talked about it before, but we don't call him coach. You know, you like you have a Jason. Yeah. You have a coach in a sport and coaches have such an effect on kids' lives. It's you call them like that's just coach for life. And Jason Hall is just Jason. Like he doesn't get that respect. He doesn't he he never earned that. I think for me, just like seeing it directly on the field, um, just playing for him, it was he was a micromanager played favorites and was just in general a dickhead. I can't remember if I told the story before on the podcast, but of when it was two a day senior year and, you know, Trelly was full time middle linebacker. But he got spot time at running back too, because he was such a dude. <laughs> just in the middle of a two a day practice, everybody's hating life. It's Jason yells over, Trell, get in a running back. Trell walks over to the bench, just sits back. Nah, I'm good, coach. And it's like he did, Hall didn't even think about it. Like, Ryan, get in at running back. Like, there's no, you can't do that in front of the entire team and keep the respect of anybody. It's just you don't do that. Like, and I think shit like that, at least it seems like, doesn't even happen under this new regime. I think there's been a point to get more Maslin guys in here. Um, how stable the staff has been over the years, I think speaks a lot of volumes too. You know, 20, 
10 to through 2012, my playing career, I had three different OCs, two different DCs, various uh, position coaches. We had a McKinley guy coaching offensive line. Like, I love leisure. Loved him. Loved Coach Leisure. But he's a McKinley guy. Like, that shit doesn't happen now. Um, but, yeah, man. Like, program's in a much better spot. Hall just... And the other thing is, you got to be a good speaker. I think that's part of the job description that a lot of people overlook when you're a head coach. You got to be able to motivate your team, talk to them. He had like three phrases he would always say every yeah, single day. Don't do it. What's the one thing you can't no, measure, Rob? Just, just leave it at that. He had the what, same. What's phrases. the one thing you that's can't it. measure? Shut up. It's heart. Shut up. It's what's here in your chest. I'm gonna leave. And you know what? If if the shit was easy, I'm going to leave. Everyone would do it. I'm moving to Westlake. <laughs> and it's like you can recycle speeches and shit you say to kids because just the nature of high school football, every three years you have an entirely new team. But you can't say the same thing like every year, much less every single fucking practice. And that's what he would do. Shit got old. He got old. I think he just sucked as a human. Like that—that's the end of the day. Yeah, I think I had I'm trying to think of who the offensive coordinator was on varsity my my freshman year. Um, oh, I don't remember. So Woods was here my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. He was the offensive coordinator my sophomore year. When we quietly got the OC from the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and we didn't even know like anything about him when yeah. he came here. Yeah, uh, he was a, he was the offensive coordinator my sophomore year. Menchez was my junior year, which who, was like nothing to take away from him. But, but he, he went from being the head freshman, freshman coach, coach to being the OC for varsity. To I don't think I, I don't think, think he, he just kind of stopped coaching him. Yeah, I I think he helps with I think he runs the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother Tom, but he still taught. Did he keep teaching? Yeah. Tom stopped. I don't know when. I I don't I don't know. I didn't follow their lives. Non sequitur. Um, I think Tim's back to coaching, like middle school or something now. Oh, is he? Something like that. Oh yeah. I think I read that. Um, he was the coordinator of my junior year. Senior year was McDaniel's until he couldn't put up with Jason Hall anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he just wasn't our offense coordinator anymore. I mean, And we, then I don't know if we had an offense coordinator after that. I mean, we can, it's far enough away. We can talk about the fact that he wanted Brody to be the quarterback and Jason said, no, Kyle's starting. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it all worked out for everybody. I suppose. Talk about playing favorites. True. Talk about how much they just, loved your guys as a class for whatever reason. Did Absolutely you, hated us. Did you guys go 10-0 freshman crap. year? We would have whooped your... Are we going to talk about how half your freshman team wasn't there as sophomores? Did you guys go 10-0 <laughs> freshman year? <laughs> um, The important ones stayed. The important ones. The important ones were like... Okay, we're not going to get into it, but there's multiple that weren't. Um, 
No, our best players freshman year weren't playing. So did you guys go 10-0? Alex Winters was like our fourth string running back. And Jason Hall would leave the varsity practice to come down into the indoor where we're practicing. And he would just come and talk to Alex. And we're like, what's up with that? Like, why is he in there talking to Alex? Yeah, and then weird. as a sophomore, Alex ran for like 1,500 yards. That's why he was talking to Alex. On varsity. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, just forget freshman year. But it was like weird because Alex wasn't like – he ended up being a really good player, right? But mm-hmm. as freshmen, we didn't – think that like oh he'll run for 1500 yards on varsity next year as a sophomore it was like yeah we'd like to see him out there as our <laughs> as like our one or two running back but like so i don't know maybe they just knew he'd be good i don't know but they loved you guys for whatever reason we, we were good we would have whooped your ass your senior year did you make it to the playoffs did you beat mckinley we would have whooped your ass you didn't play the mckinley team we played you guys played some rundown McKinley team that lost all their players to you. We played them <laughs> and won twice. McKinley sucked. You didn't play the McKinley team we played. That's for sure. I I know. Back in my day, you had to walk uphill look both up. ways. Look it up. 16 feet of snow and 95 degree weather. Look up the teams. Look up the McKinley team we played. Yeah, I see. There's an L next to it, and then there's two <laughs> W's next to ours. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that and like the best players from your class all stunk as juniors, so that didn't help us one bit. <laughs> I mean, Kyle shouldn't have even started. Well, who was the other option? Because I think he was also in my class. Should have been Krieger. If we're being completely honest, he was better than Kemp and Brody. Like he was starting safety. Okay, would you rather have him start safety or start? He was better than Kyle and Brody. Nonetheless, Garyon didn't really turn into Garyon until a. <laughs> Garyon didn't turn into Garyon until like his last couple games at Ohio State. Yeah. But Garyon as a junior was completely different than Garyon as a senior, which was different than you know he kept growing and progressing and everything but you know he was one does as they grow up yes but he was not some elite players a junior which usually like elite players yeah. when they're juniors they're still pretty freaking good and garyon was good but not he was not going to Ohio state yeah yeah i know you could press man lock him down on an island of practice old, no because he didn't play receiver Darrell revis out there no he didn't even play receiver <laughs> i know hank <laughs> you I know. got that whole thing backwards <laughs> Um. Yeah, he couldn't beat me out as a receiver <laughs> as a junior, <laughs> and then the next year he catches like I mean over a thousand. He's like the number three all-time yeah. single season receiver for Maslin. But yeah, that's when you know Coach B came in. Yeah. It was his offense to run, and that was at least some continuity that Jason had until he uh, got the boot. Yeah, that um, was good. That was good for you guys. Yeah, that was really good. B was. B was a dude. It seemed like they actually gave him some control. I wasn't there for it, but, I mean, I can only assume if it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, the system changed overnight, so... Mm-hmm. They must have gave him some control. That's good. I mean, it was... I think, in the moment, I didn't really realize how much of an overhaul it was. 
but it was like top to bottom stripped it down like not even the bare bones it was just like it, it, it was it wasn't even down to the foundation it was like run the house over with the bulldozer fill in the basement and let's start from nothing yeah um and i think the last part is jason was head football coach slash athletic director and he didn't do his job that was after the slash man just did not fill the athletic director position that you would want him to that's the least of my worries no but we're touching all the bases here that was just the last thing that popped in my head It's like if that's the one thing that you're bad at, then yeah, we can live with it. But when you're a perennial seven and three playing down to your opponent and have like multiple teams that should be competing for a ring and the best you get is one regional final win, then eh. Yeah. So it's like I just I just I guess I don't expect our head coach to really do too much athletic directing. Oh, I don't expect it either, but <sighs> let me pile on. Like, that's all I'm doing right now. I mean, if you want to, like, make a point is when he got fired, he argued it. And he was like, well, you're firing me as a coach, but you, you're you not firing me as the athletic director. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. We are firing you as a coach, not as the athletic director. But that means you have to show up at 8 a.m. every day. And he's like, ah, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, hour commute from Twinsburg was a little too much. Yeah, I think because they moved him from the high school to Smith. (laughs) So they're like, yeah, like now you actually have to just show up in an office. I mean, he has obviously they have an office at the high school, but but that's the head coach's office. Yeah, it's like now we're going to put you in the strictly just athletic director's office at the at Smith, which is also where like the soup and assistant soups would have mm-hmm. been and everything. That's like the higher ups. That's where you would expect like an athletic director position's office well, to be. It, I mean, it, they were, but it wasn't like just straight up condemning him to the closet. No, but I think the whole point of it is like now you have to show up on time. And we're right here watching you. Oh, yeah. And, like, after a day or two, he's like, I, I can't show up on time. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> not going to happen. Just, all right. I'm out. I, I'm fired. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I will take this L. Yeah. I'm going to go to Westlake. I'm going to go 0 and 10. Yeah. You do it twice? I think he might have won one the second year or something. Uh, I think he went 0 and 10 the first year. And then he like got fired, and he was just a gym teacher or something like that. Now he's like back to being their coach again, I think. How down bad How, are they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that 1-29 and 29 record doesn't look great <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> but <laughs> how'd you like to do it again? Yeah. The 1-29 retread is always an interesting approach. Yeah, I I would like to think that he's been you know studying and taking classes and you know changing his culture. Uh, let's, let's give him another shot. Yeah. You know, just nice, upstanding gentleman. Just always a pleasure to work with. Hey, we can give it a shot. Eef. Yeah, it was a rough experience for everyone. Yeah. But. but anyway, to his last point, coaches all seem to be bought in. You know, you you bullshit with, like, any of them, and it's like, 
yeah, they're going to have to fire me to get my ass out of here. Yep. Love to hear it. Love to see it. The results just on the field speak for themselves. The results off the field, all these kids going to college, like you said, all of the test prep, all the ACT prep, all everything that they do as a whole just speaks for itself. So, oh, we got one more question. Last one. Let's hear Are we walking away with a dub on Friday? W's, boys. Straight dubs? Straight dubs. W-dubs? I, I mean, that's obviously the goal. Yeah. Eds is a good team, but like Hank said, I like our chances, but you got to play You got to play a clean game. You got to play a good game. Mm-hmm. You know, Eds is going to play a good, clean game, so you have to go out there and play a good, clean game. So maybe if the fans get into it, student section's a little rowdy. Got why, the, why'd, got the, you, why'd you have to? Got the speakers turned up more than 20%. Not spam the TIG chant. Yeah. For the love of God. I heard one s- successful TIG chant last week, which is like the most I've heard all year. So, yeah. But I also heard like 20 failed TIG attempts. But that's just the way it's going to go. You know, you're going to have to pick and choose when to do them. Um, there's always going to be the people that do them at the wrong times, unsuccessful chance, but the fans still need to be the fans. We can't be put down by anything, anyone. You know, if there's only 50 of us in the stands, you got to be a rowdy 50 people, right? If if half the people are yelling at you for standing up on third down, Tell their ass to get up. You're gonna ha- like you, you gotta compensate for. It. I mean, yeah. you have to still. The crowd has to be a part of the game, and I think the crowd. We've had decent attendance, but the crowd hasn't been a huge part of the game this year. Man, I still look at that East St. Louis game. Barely five thousand people there. Attendance, like what the official attendance said, because it felt like less than that. But that TIG ERS chant going back and forth across the stadium. I'm getting chills thinking about it now because that's the loudest I have ever heard that. Yeah. Like, that was one of the best atmospheres I have ever experienced as a Maslin fan. And we need to get back to that, man. And part of that is sometimes shutting the fuck up and letting the people that actually, like, know what's going on lead the chance. It's part of it. But you just sent me off on that tangent. Anyway, back to the original. Saying it takes everyone. It, it hashtag it takes all of us. It takes all of us. I need a loud, incorporated crowd. Good student section. Need the band to be wild up. Need the speakers turned up. Got brand new speakers. We got to turn them up. Mm-hmm. So back to the original question: Do we walk out with a W? I like the matchup. I think this is the signature win of the season this year. Whatever happens in playoffs, happens in playoffs. But I think we look back at this season, and this is the signature win of 2022. So, what do you got? W? Dubs. Dubs. Straight dubs, boys. Straight dubs, boys. With that, we'll get out of here. Go Tigers. Beat Eds. Beat it.